Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center. We believe that God has perfectly revealed Himself through Scripture alone, and that salvation comes by grace alone, from faith alone in Christ alone, and that everything is for the glory of God alone. So as we study God's unchanging, inerrant Word together, ask God to open your eyes, to open your eyes to see yourself and your own sin clearly. Open your eyes to see Jesus clearly, and pray that God would give you the grace to repent, to turn from your sin, and the faith to trust in Christ alone for your salvation. If you'd like more information, go to our website at edenworshipcenter.co. Good morning. Uh, Philippians 1.27 Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Let's pray. Holy Father, uh, we come before you and uh, we thank you, God, for your grace and mercy and dying on the cross for us and our sins, God. We thank you for eternal life and your spirit and your word. And um, we ask, God, that as we go through your word, that you would enlighten us, that you would teach us things, that you would reveal things, to convict us, God, and uh, um, better our hearts for your glory. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I'm 50, everybody. <clears throat> uh, for those of you over 40, you know this to be true. Sometimes life is depressing. <laughs> Sometimes it just doesn't work out uh, the way we had planned. Now, we don't normally get political on a Sunday morning as we're uh, studying verse by verse through books of the Bible uh, we're, we're currently studying verse by verse through Philippians, but I, I want to depart from that for just a second and say I'm grateful for the protections and the privileges of being a citizen that this nation brings to us. But let's face it, our political leader is just the worst. Just terrible. Morally bankrupt, dishonest, scandalous, underhanded, and the treatment of all those who oppose him is downright dangerous. It seems like our government has a built-in dislike of Christians, uh, discriminating against them, against them, persecuting them. Christians being canceled and burned in the public square. Blaming other people for the mess that the leader has created. An incompetent leader who will one day be run out of the capital city forever. Except we're not studying America, we're studying the letter to the Philippians. So we're commanded by Scripture to respect and pray for the leaders that God in his authority has set in authority over us. But in the time that Paul wrote, and some of you were like, oh, thank God, we're finally talking about it. Right? I've been listening to the podcast. I knew this was coming, right? When Paul writes this, there is a leader who matched up with all of those things. 
He was a 25-year-old tyrant who was not ruling the world from Washington, but Rome, and his name was Nero. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that is supposed about Nero is he, he had this desire to build a golden palace in Rome. And so the problem was there were other people living where he wanted to build the golden palace. And so legend has it that he had some of his own people start a fire to kind of burn them out so that their homes would be destroyed and he could build his palace, his wonder of the world. Only what happened was because they didn't have great fire departments back in that day, the whole city of Rome caught on fire. Well, now that that the king, that the emperor has set the city on fire, you have to blame someone, so he blamed the Christians. This new growing religious sect that was in Rome. And so we think in our day, as soon as someone talks bad about us, as soon as uh, someone on Facebook has something negative to say about us, we're being persecuted. No, he grabbed Christians and would bury them up to their necks in the sand and then cover their hair with oil and pitch and then set their heads on fire to use them as lights around his palace and the theater. They were literally being burned in the streets. The ancient historian Tacitus names uh, Nero as the one who blamed the Christians as being the scapegoats for the fire. Uh, he's, he's the ancient historian from which we draw much of that. And it, the way he, that he treated them, that the punishment he inflicted upon them was not so much motivated by public justice, but personal cruelty. Here's what Tacitus wrote about them. Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. Covered in skins of beasts, they were torn by dogs and perished. They were nailed to crosses. They were doomed to the flames and burnt to serve as nightly illumination when daylight had expired. It's into that culture that Paul writes to a Roman colony named Philippi and says, that's our king, but we have another king. We have another king to which we look. We are citizens of another kingdom. Yes, this world is dark and dangerous and broken by sin. Yes, there are those outside of the church who would love to see the church destroyed and fall. And yes, there are those inside the church. We read about this a couple weeks ago in Philippians 1 verse 15. Inside the church who are actively working against the gospel. And Paul said they're working against me. But we have another king. So as we study together, we're going to be looking at uh, three main points this morning. We, we have hope because we have another king. And God has not left us alone in this kingdom. He has joined us one with another. I mean, but part of the beautiful celebration this morning, it's not actually a celebration of me. I'm not that great. It's a celebration of us. That God has joined us together. We are together in this thing of faith. We are together in the family of God. And that means that you can have hope in another person. That our, our hope isn't pinned to a person, attached to a person, but when I am hopeless, I can go to another person. I can say, here's what I'm struggling with. And friends, if you don't have another brother or sister in Christ who you can go to and say, here's all of my garbage, walk with me, you need that. In fact, I would say, don't leave this building this morning until you have that. One other person who knows all of it. God has built us for that. 
And no matter how bad today is, no matter how bad all of life might be, there will come another day. We have another king. We've been given another person. And in Christ, there will come another day. So here's what Paul says to them. Live like you're citizens of a different kingdom. Live as citizens worthy of the gospel. Looking back, Paul has just shared two sources of the pressure. We mentioned them a second ago. Those who are inside the church and those who are outside of the church that are opposing him. So inside the church, Philippians 1, just by way of review here. Philippians 1, 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Verse 17. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. But it wasn't just conflict and rivalries within the church. Uh, he was facing uh, Strong and powerful enemies outside of the church. The entire Roman superpower. 9,000 imperial guards. The imperial guards, the Praetorian guards, uh, were Nero's personal guards. 9,000 of them that were guarding the prisoners. And Paul says at the beginning of this letter, they've all heard the gospel. Because I've been chained to them, they've been chained to me. Philippians 1, verse 20 and 21. Here's Paul's expectation. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So he says to the Philippian church that he has started, that he loves that are precious to his heart. I don't know if I will ever see you again. I hope so. I I hope I'm going to be able to uh, come to you, declare the truth of God's word to you, but I don't know whether I will ever make it to you or not. And now we come to verse 27, our text for today. So here's his command to them. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. Uh, Here at EWC, we use the ESV version of the scriptures in our our public reading of scriptures. Uh, There's other translation, though, that if you just look at the text, that translates this phrase, let your manner of life. It it almost seems to say just just however you live, however you choose to live. It sounds so much like our day and age. But other translations uh, translate this command, conduct yourselves. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. right? Not just, not just good, not live good lives, but worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let that be the measure of success and life for you. But even that doesn't quite touch on what the Greek has to say when it comes to this word, let your manner of life. Right? This, this phrase translated, let your manner of life, or conduct yourself... In the Greek, he actually says, live as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
live as citizens. Polytuomai is the Greek word that is used here. By the way, polytuomai comes from the the root word politeias, which is where we get politics. Politeias means a citizen, and politics are the affairs of the citizen. So he says, as a citizen of another kingdom, as citizens under another king, conduct your lives. The way that you think, the way that you speak, the way that you act, let it be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just of the fact that you live in Philippi, not just of the fact that you are a Christian in America. You have another king and another kingdom. Uh, Philippi was a Greek city, but it had been made a Roman colony. And I don't know if you remember from history class, uh, Rome was an empire that ruled the world. Uh, All of the world is sort of uh, encompassed under this umbrella of Rome. And it brought with it all kinds of privileges, all all kinds of benefits. They they generally brought uh, roads wherever they went. It facilitated commerce. They brought clean water wherever they went. They brought Roman law which much of our modern-day law is actually based upon Roman law. So due process comes from Rome. And so everywhere it went, they said, we bring the peace of Rome. You guys remember that from high school? You remember the Latin phrase? Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. They were citizens that were living under that blessing. In fact, Philippi had actually been built and established uh, in their architecture to be a little Rome or a small Rome. That was the nickname that was given to it. The city of fountains was supposed to resemble this great piece of Rome. And yet Paul reminds them with something that we barely see. In fact, if we're just looking at the English, we will miss That though God has called them to be productive members of the society where God has placed them, their citizenship, their identity is in an eternal kingdom, not their hometown. And therefore, it is not dependent on Nero the emperor or whoever is the president of the United States that we find our peace and hope and happiness. No, Jesus is king. And therefore, we sing together how firm a foundation has been laid for you, saints. How firm is the bedrock below your feet. That is not based on this moment's happiness. It's not based on how well situations are working out for you. The king of kings has called you his own. will never leave you or forsake you. And so he says to them, live like you belong to him. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We'll get to this in a few weeks. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we are glad for the peace that America brings into our lives. But our citizenship, our identity is not tied to America. It's tied to Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul would say at the end of the book of Acts, Acts 23, verse 1, and looking intently at the council, Paul says, Brothers, I have lived my life before. Paul, a Roman citizen. Remember, he's going to be arrested. And then appeal to the Pax Romana. He says, is it lawful to just arrest and throw a Roman citizen in prison without due process? And the jailer begins to tremble. Right? And listen to his words, though. 
He says, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. Not just as a good citizen of whatever country God has placed me in. I belong to him. And so his call to the church and to us today is the same. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. The good news of your salvation. The good news that Jesus Christ, eternal God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, chose to put on flesh and come and live among us. Live the perfect life that we could not. Perfectly keep the law of God that we could not. And then in his perfection, take on himself all of your imperfection. All the guilt of your sin. Every time that you've messed up on purpose, he took it. Every time that you've messed up, even though you were trying so hard to do the right thing, finally, this time I'm, I'm going to get it turned around. And you just couldn't do it. He took it. The perfect, spotless lamb who never sinned, became sin for us, Scripture says. And then he took all of that sin and all of the guilt and all the punishment that that sin and guilt demanded and he nailed it to the cross in his flesh. He paid fully the sacrifice that your sin and my sin demanded. And in its place, this great exchange, he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. So live as citizens of that righteousness. Live like you have been bought with a precious, precious blood. Our manner of life can never make us worthy of the gospel. We cannot earn our salvation, but instead, our manner of life is a grateful response to the salvation that we've already been given in the finished work of Christ. Yes, we are to work diligently all of our life to honor God, to keep his law, to look to Christ. But we will never do that perfectly. Not not good enough for God to love us because we've earned it or deserved it. No, it's a response. You have been good to me. I will serve you. Therefore, our life, our attitude, our actions are not dependent upon man Or circumstances. Because of that great salvation we have been given. Because we have Christ as king and not Nero. Because we have Christ as king and not Joe Biden. Or anyone else. Our attitudes, our actions, and our words, our happiness are not dependent on man. They're not dependent upon your boss. They are not dependent upon your husband or your children or your finances or any other circumstance. And so Paul says, live as citizens of God's kingdom, even if I don't ever get to be there again. Even at the end of my story, as Paul is writing from prison, it ends in my execution. And we're not sure which imprisonment Paul is writing from. He was in a Roman prison at least twice. And the last time it ended with the separation of his head from his body. We're not sure which one this is. But he says, no matter how that turns out, conduct yourselves as citizens of that kingdom, not just this kingdom. 
So kids, help me out. Where was, where was Paul writing this from again? I just told you a second ago. He's in jail. He's in prison. You think he wanted to be in jail? Think he liked it like it was a holiday? Do you want to go to Disney World, Paul? Or do you want to go to jail? He's like, jail sounds nice. No, he didn't want to be there. This was hard. This was bad. And the truth is, sometimes life doesn't turn out like we hoped for. So what do we do then? What do we do when the circumstances of life are not at all what you would have hoped for? Do we just drift into hopelessness or despair? Or do we put our trust in King Jesus? Do we hold on to the people God has surrounded us with? Verse 28 is going to tell us that we actually have very real opponents. Did you notice that? I think a lot of people nowadays, when they start talking about being persecuted, it's mostly in their minds. It's like the child going, she was mean to me. Yeah, that, that is not persecution. These are real opponents of the gospel. So I, I want to I illustrate this for us, but I need, I need one of our kids to volunteer But as you volunteer, here's what I need. I need a big, strong kid. So before you volunteer, I want you to stand up if you want to come up here. And I need to see your muscles. I want to see something something kind of like that. Any big, strong kid? Dominic, come on up. Yes. I love, oh, check him out right over there. Ladies and gentlemen, Dominic, Dominic, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So we've got this awesome young guy right here. Now let's see those muscles one more time. Impressive. It might be the sweatshirt. We don't know, but it was still impressive. Uh, and here's, here's the problem. We can feel like we're big and strong, and then life comes along. And, just stand there, will you? And life comes along and just kind of pushes us around. You, no, you have to stand still. Okay, that life comes along and just push it. No, no, like, don't move, just stand. Wait a minute. Okay, so when Paul says to them, stand firm. Did you see that in the scriptures? He says, uh, my prayer for you, whether I come or not, is that you would stand firm. It's actually a combat stance is the word that Paul uses there. It sort of has this idea of when you spread your feet out, like you're getting into fighting stance. So spread your feet out a little bit, get in a little fighting stance, bend your knees a little bit. All right, let's see how he does this time doing pretty good. Now here's the thing. Dominic's a big strong boy, but I'm kind of an overweight middle-aged guy. Uh, If I wanted to, I can still make him move, right? So here's what I need. I need every kid who wants to come up here and help Dominic not move to come up on the stage right now. Come on up. Come on up. Every kid who wants to come up, come up right now. Come stand right behind Dominic. Come on, come on, come on up. All the kids, right back here, right back here. Now, every once in a while, when we pray for somebody, we do this, where we stand with them and we put our hands on them. Here's one of the things this is symbolizing. Kids, I want you to get as close as you can, and I want your hands on him, all right? Everybody get in, put your hands on him. Now, Dominic, you keep your feet spread out, because the call to the individual believer is to stand firm in the faith. 
But we don't stand alone. See, sometimes really difficult and hard things come at us. There's other people who get mad and don't like us. Sometimes our own thoughts, like bad thoughts, take over and they just shipwreck us. And sometimes there's actual evil that's out there. And we need more than just me standing firm. We need all of these. Who make us stand. Kids, here's the truth. You're called to stand on God's word. God's word is where we spread our feet out and say, this is where I'm going to stand. But we need more than that. We need to be surrounded by God's people. By the way, I was pushing really hard at the end. And he, a bunch of little kids made him not move. Can we say thanks to these kids? Where are you guys going on? Hello, kids. Adults consider this. If a whole bunch of little kids could get behind him and make him not move, what happens to you when you surround yourself with God's people? Oh, man, we, we just don't really have time to go get connected with a community group. I, I don't have time to get connected with other brothers and, you know, walk in accountability and talk about myself. In fact, pretty much, I think I've got it. I, I think I've got my life under control. You know what you're going to be? You're going to be the first version who gets pushed all over the place. In fact, those of you who aren't connected, I want you to just think about your life in a snapshot here. That's what the last few years have looked like. Just pushed around circumstances of life. Now think about those of you who are connected with the body of Christ. I'm not saying you don't have ups and downs. You do. You're still alive. But if little kids could hold him up, what can brothers who know God's word and said, I will stand with you, you call me at 2.30 in the morning. What about sisters who go, I don't know the answers, but I will cry with you and I will pray with you. Church, we can stand on the firm foundation of God's word and we can surround ourselves with God's people and we can stand. There's hope for you. Our kids are awesome. Here's the reality, though. This is the fill-in-the-blank for you in your bulletin. You have to build godly, gospel-centered relationships of trust, or you won't have them. Showing up on a Sunday morning, man, we're glad you're here. We tell you that every Sunday. Man, we're glad you're here. We're glad that you have come to gather with God's people. We're glad you're in a place where you can hear God's word. Paul's going to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's the the preached word of God that has the power to change our hearts. But if you're not building, if you're not intentional, if you're not spending time gathering those relationships around you, friend, listen to me, there will come a time where you stand alone. And if you stand alone, you just might fall. No, we have to be working together. We have to be praying together. We have to be talking together. We have to be studying God's word together, sharing a meal together, sharing life together. It is not just you. This is, this is maybe the best news you're going to hear all day. It's not just you. You are not in this alone. God has joined you with one another. That's why we need another person. When life gets difficult, we need to be reminded that we have another king. But when life gets difficult, you need to be plugging in to another person. And this is why we do it. Look with me at verse 29. 
He says, for it has been, I want you to take note of this word, it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. That you should not only what? Believe. Believe in him. Believe the gospel. But also to do what, church? Suffer. Not just suffer because you're stupid, right? If we suffer because we, we are stupid and we make dumb decisions, that's on us. No, this is suffering for his sake. Did you notice that? This is for the sake of the gospel. This is uh, for the sake of standing up to do that which is right. There will be hardship and suffering. The fact that we live in a Genesis 3 world, Genesis 1 and 2, the perfect creation that God created for mankind, and then sin comes into the world and it, it breaks everything. Because we live in that world, friend, listen to me, suffering is coming. And the modern church and most of modern Christian radio has lied to you about that. No, if you're a Christian, you should feel this way. And it's, it's just glory to glory, overcomer to overcomer, but they forgot to tell us what being an overcomer actually looks like. That even though we give our lives for the sake of the gospel, even, even it costing us our very lifeblood, yet we are overcomers through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. They tell you that God is worthy of worship because of how much he cares about you and how much he wants you to be finally happy and healthy and whole. Here's the, the problem. Because we love ourselves so much, anyone else who seems to love us as much as we do must be wonderful, and that includes God. This is a, this is a backwards gospel that much of the church is preaching. You are awesome. You're the best. God thinks you're super duper terrific. He didn't want heaven without you, so he brought heaven down popular song we don't sing it's true it's true from a a theologically detached viewpoint that yes uh, that's the whole message of the incarnation that God pursued his people that God came after us with salvation but what we mean when we sing those things in our day is I love myself so much I want you to love me and I want God to love me why because I'm the center of it all I'm the king I'm the God. Rather than agreeing with former slave trader John Newton, in his words, the hymn that he wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that would save a wretch like me. I once was lost. Ephesians 2 says, I once was dead in my sin, but now I'm found. I was blind, and I couldn't fix it. Couldn't fix it by going to church. Couldn't fix it by being a good person. But because of the great, amazing love of God, now I see. Forgetting that the great God has saved us and changed us, forming us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. He has Granted, Because we, we forget that's all the work of God. We come to this word, he has granted, and that's actually the Greek word, charismio. Now, I don't know if you've been around the block a little bit. Ever heard of the charismatic church? It, 
Chariz, and charisma means gifted, right? So the gift of God, that's what the charismatic church is saying there, that we are the gifted ones of God. What he's saying here is God has gifted you that you may suffer. Merry Christmas. Right, this is, this is similar to, I, I love that our grandkids are getting old enough that Christmas looks a little different, uh, where like they open, you've seen it with your kids, they open up the box and they're like, oh, clothes. If you've taught them well, they're like, thank you. <laughs> Pitch it over their shoulder like, all right, let's get to the good stuff, right? Uh, so God says, I love you, I've adopted you into my family, and so it is my gift to you. That you should not only believe, right? Belief is a gift, faith is a gift, trust is a gift, but that you should suffer for the sake of his name. Why? Because our citizenship is not from here. The hope of our life is not based on this fallen sinful world. Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 10, Blessed are those who persecuted you for right, who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, in Acts 5, his disciples preach, and they're arrested. And an angel sets them free from prison, and they preach again, and they're arrested again. You remember this? And they charge them not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they beat them. Preach, arrested, preach, arrested, beaten. Acts 5, verse 41 says, Then they left the presence of the council just being beaten, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. This Messiah we've waited for is Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. You could beat us and we won't shut up about it. Why? Because we know it's true. So not only does suffering shape us, But suffering declares something to the world when we go through it, that Jesus is worth it. When we Think about it. When things go good, your life doesn't change a whole lot. It's when things go bad that you go, i got to change something, right? Isn't that how God works? And, And he uses suffering to shape us more and more into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, his son. But it doesn't just do that. When we go through hardship and suffering and we say, I will, even in the midst of darkness, even though I don't want this, I will fix my eyes on Jesus. He's my hope. That preaches a message to the world that says Jesus is worth it. And so Paul said in Philippians 1 verse 12, my suffering, all the things that have happened to me have have only furthered the gospel, they haven't stopped it. Uh, look in verse 30. He says, uh, this, this suffering that is coming, verse 30, it's the same conflict that you saw that I had, and that you hear that I still have. It, the problem hasn't got fixed for Paul. Here's the reality. The Christian life is a fight. It's a fight of good and evil, of light and darkness. And this word for conflict that Paul uses here, he uses the same word in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, where he says, fight, same word, fight the good, fight, same word, of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Friends, our Christian life is a fight. Whoever told you it was going to be easy lied to you. Whoever sang the song that God loves you so much, he wants you to be happy and never suffer again, lied to you. 
In fact, that word for fight that's used here is the Greek word agona. It's an athletic term. It's the word from which we get our word agony. That's not an easy go of things. We find that same word in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where we are told to throw off every sin that entangles us and run with endurance the agona set before us. Run with endurance the race. It's an athletic term for running a race, an agonizing race set before us. Ancient writer Homer used that same word agona to describe the gathering at the ancient games, which, by the way, were not at all like our modern Olympic games. Often those games were an intense struggle for life and death. They were agony played out in front of a watching crowd. And Paul says, that's the same conflict, that's the same struggle, it's the same fight that you see me in, and so here's when I see what I want to see coming from you. I want to see you, our kids did this for us, standing firm. But not just standing firm, like I, I'm doing okay. We are stand, these are together words here. Did you notice, I want to see you standing firm in one spirit and with one mind. Now, if this is just one person at a time, this is like saying I'm glad you're not schizophrenic, Right? I'm glad you don't have multiple personality disorder. Just one mind, that's it. I can barely handle one mind, everybody. No, it's not talking about the individual. This is corporately brothers and sisters standing in one spirit. Brothers and sisters with one heart and one mind for the gospel. And here's the reminder, the last thing we want to look at. No matter how bad today is, no matter how hard this moment is or this life is, there will be another day. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, again, another letter of Paul to the church, this time in Ephesus. Again, writing from prison. Here's what he says, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility, and gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, that, that one Spirit, one mind, unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to that one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Look down at verse 11. And he gave apostles, he gave prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. We have been called as one body into one faith. You are not supposed to do this by yourself. And if you are, listen to me, you're doing it wrong. That's not my words, that's Paul's words. Whether I come to you or not, I want to see that you're standing firm in the faith together. With one spirit and one mind. 
Ben Stewart, commenting on this passage of Scripture, says, I can't look like Jesus without you. I need you because spirituality is always worked out in community. I can't achieve Christ-likeness without you. Friends, if you try and do this by yourself, if you try and bear your own burden, never share those secrets of which you are embarrassed of, you will fall again and again and again. No, we are called to entrust ourselves to one another. And in the midst of our hardship, consider the suffering and glory of Christ that purchased your salvation. Oh, today is terrible. This moment is terrible. This last month has been terrible. I I don't know when things are going to turn around at my job. Consider Christ. Consider Him who put on flesh and went to the cross for your sake that you might be redeemed. Here's what that reminds you. Not some spiritual, churchy-sounding thing. You are never alone or forgotten. Remember that you are a citizen of God's kingdom and not this world. So stop living like you're from here. Uh, We have good friends and family uh, who have given wonderful advice to their kids that when they go someplace big and exciting, they go, now, act like you've been here before. (laughs) Don't act like you don't know what's going on. Uh, We could kind of turn that and say, stop acting like you're from here. When this world goes poorly for you, go, yeah, Jesus said in this world you'll have trouble. Stop being surprised. Stop acting like this world is your only hope. You're citizens of another kingdom. Stop living like the joys and the pleasures of this world could actually satisfy your deepest need. They can't. Remember that this world is not the end. Christ the King will return in glory to claim his own and crush his enemies. Hallelujah. So please, on that day when he comes to claim his own and crush his enemies, do not be found, as we saw in this passage, of one of those who is opposing the church and opposing and resisting the work of Christ himself. Do not be his enemy. For the unbelievers who are here, who do not know Jesus, and maybe up to this point you've rejected Jesus, hear the warning, don't be his enemy. Oh, he is mighty to save, but he is a king of justice and righteousness who will crush his enemies one day. Don't be one of them. For those who are Christians and believers in this room, but you are living lives that are resisting the glory of God, resisting obedience to his word, don't be his enemies. Don't make him crush you that your soul may be saved. Don't make him break through the barriers of your life. Surrender them to our gracious God and Savior. For both, for the unbeliever and those resistant to the gospel right now, here's the answer. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn. You're headed in one direction. That's what the word repent means. I'm headed in one direction. Turn and go the other way. Walk away from your sin. Paul's going to say, put sin to death and put on Christ. Turn again to God's word. Confess your sin and find full forgiveness, full freedom. Lock in with the fellowship of the saints. Lock in with the encouragement of his word. 
Well, if you're a Christian, Jesus has bought you. It will not end with your eternal destruction. But right now, you're just making your life painful. Turn to Jesus. Delaying the freedom and forgiveness that could be yours is just adding layers of difficulty. And here's why Scripture says again and again, it's because our hearts are hard. Here's the remedy for that. Not just, well, I'm going to soften my heart. I hate that guy that I work with, but I guess I'm going to have a soft heart. You ever tried that? That guy's twice the jerk tomorrow when you go to work. No, it's confessing your sin. God, I'm holding against him his sin, and yet you haven't done that with me. I was a sinner deserving of punishment, but you haven't held my sin against me. Forgive me, O oh God, for thinking I'm better than you. Soften my heart. It's day by day. God, soften me. God, soften me. God, do your work within me. Repent and believe the good news. And live as citizens worthy of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your gracious choosing of undeserving sinners like us. We have no right, O oh God, to demand anything from you. Because apart from your gracious act of saving, of taking our sin and giving us righteousness in Jesus Christ, Lord, we can't even stand before you. And yet in Christ, Lord, you have promised that you will not only never leave us or forsake us, but you hear us when we pray. And that before we have even asked, Lord, you've already uh, begun the work. And so we pray, Lord, would you soften our hardened hearts. We pray, God, would you convict us of sin. We pray, Lord, convict us, convince us of idolatry as we have looked to another king to be our savior, another person, another situation to save us when Christ alone can save Father, we beg you in your kindness, in your faithfulness, finish the work that you've begun in us, we pray. Amen. Hey, here's what I'd like you to do. Dominic, can you come up here one more time? Dominic's mom and dad, can you come up here one more time, even though you haven't been up here? They're like, what did our son get us into? <laughs> this is the call to parents. I, I know we're not all parents. I know we're at different stages in our life. All right, right over here. Here's the call to parents. Do the same thing those kids did. Don't let me push him. Don't let me push him. Get behind your kids. Get behind your kids in a way that wraps the gospel around their hearts, that causes their feet to stand firm. And when life pushes them, when friends push them, when sin pushes them, when the devil pushes them, mom and dad are standing right behind going, not on my watch. Not one more of our kids is going to slip through the cracks because we were unfaithful. Let's stand. I'm going to pray one more time after that. Thanks, guys. Father, make that be true of us. It's not true. 
We want to be faithful, but we are not. Make us faithful. We love our kids. We beg you to save our kids every week, but we're praying now, call us to stand behind them. Call us to pour God's word into them. Use us, O oh God, for the sake of your kingdom and our children. Amen. It's family worship. I want to call you as moms and dads. Tell your story. Tell the story of your salvation. If you're a believer, as your as your family, or if you're getting together with friends for lunch, tell the story of how God saved and changed you. And by the way, if there's an area that God's convicting you, that you're not standing, you're not trusting in him, repent and confess it. Confess it to your, I mean, age appropriate, but confess it to your family. Here's where mom is struggling. Here's where dad is struggling. Would you guys, would our kids stand behind me? That together as a family, you see God's power at work in your hearts and lives. And if you're an unbeliever, kids, I want you to look at me right now. All of our kids in this room. I'm so grateful that every week you get to hear the gospel. I'm so grateful every week that you're doing the coloring pages and memorizing scripture. But listen, this faith has to be yours. If, if tonight, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake and you stand before the judgment seat of God, will he say, enter in to heaven, enter into your rest? Or is there sin that is lingering? Have you trusted in Jesus? And kids, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, as you have family worship today, today's the day. Mom and dad, go after it. Well, I don't know. They, they haven't made a profession of faith. Put it to them. Today's the day. Eternity is on the line. Quit playing around with it. Quit playing around where you get to high school and it's, it's you know, hit and miss whether you're connecting with the church, whether you're connecting with God's word, or whether you want to go date a non-Christian and sink into the hell of this world. Quit playing with it. Come to Jesus, kids. We love you. Don't waste another day. This is your moment. Be saved. Believe the gospel. So we come to the table of the Lord week after week. Here's what we remind ourselves. Our salvation is in the blood of Jesus that paid for us, not our good works. But we're standing on that in our good works. With all of our effort, I'm going to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. So if you're a believer, come to the table. Listen to me. If you're struggling with sin and you're struggling, come to the table. Don't sit in your seat and go, well, I'm, I'm really struggling with my sin. No, if you're actively trying to put that sin to death, come and preach to yourself, Jesus' blood is bigger than my sin. Some things are worth shouting about. If you're not fighting against your sin, don't come. That's where Paul goes, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself to see if you're being obedient. Don't come eat and drink condemnation on yourself that lies to everyone around you and goes, I'm trusting in Jesus when you're not. And all we got to do is open up your Facebook. All we got to do is talk to your friends. No, now's the time. Get serious with God. Thanks for joining our podcast. We pray that God would bless you and strengthen you through his word. If you'd like to find out more about EWC, or give tithes and offerings in support of this ministry, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co.